Colonial Woods Missionary Church presents Keys to Confident Living. Amen. Can you give the Lord a hand as you're seated today? Great to see you. Hey, do me a favor. Turn to someone near you and just say, great to see you this morning. Smile at them. Would you do that? Smile at them. Love that. Got to get a little smile in there. Oh, if you have your Bibles with you, would you take them and turn to Philippians chapter 2. Before we go to Philippians 2, we're going to go to 2 Corinthians 2, but it's in your note sheet, and so you can just kind of take a look there. We've been in a series called Show and Tell, which we started a couple of weeks ago. And our first week together is we're talking about Show and Tell. Subtitle is How to Live a Contagious Faith, or How to Talk About Christ in the Everyday, or How to, how to Talk About Jesus Without Seeming Weird, right? All those ways that we look into our realm, and how do we show our faith and then tell about our faith, and we start our first week together talking about the priority of prayer because if you understand this, if you weren't with us, let me just share this. Jesus says this. Jesus says, no one comes to the Son unless the Father draws him. So nobody's going to come to him without the Spirit of God working in their life. This is incredibly freeing. People don't just wake up one day and say, hey, I'm going to be a Christian. But, but enabled by the Spirit of God to come to repentance, to, to humble before him, when we understand that it's God doing the work of restoration, change, and transformation, it takes, takes a lot of the pressure off. We just need to be faithful. So when we're praying, we're asking God to be the God who goes before. Pastor Ann did a great job. Where's Ann? She here? Hey, didn't Ann do a great job last week in the Word? Man, she did a great job. And last week, she talked about that we have the power, talking about how the Holy Spirit, through the fruit of the Spirit, that people see this in our lives. Now today, I'm going to go a different direction. I'm going to talk to you about passing the smell test. In fact, uh, today, I should have been, instead of show and tell, it should have been show and smell. That's what it should have been. But uh, we're going to talk. Can I talk to you today about something that all of us know what it is, and we're all embarrassed as soon as I say it? B.O. How many of you know what B.O. is? Just raise your hand real quick. If they didn't raise their hand, it's because they're concerned, right? Uh, what's that old uh, uh, commercial, uh, raise your hands if you're sure, <laughs> right? Some of you aren't so sure right now. In fact, hey, can I, I got to ask this question. How many guys, guys, raise your hand real quick. Just raise your hand. I'm not going to ask the ladies this. Guys, raise your hand. How many guys, men, how many men are in here? Just raise your hand, okay? Men or males, boys, I don't care. All of you, just raise your hand. How many have ever smelt a piece of clothing before you wore it for the day. Just raise your hand. Amen. That's what I'm talking about. In fact, some of you did it this morning. And, and when we talk about this, I know it has a negative connotation. Um, we, uh, Wednesday night, we were gathered in here for prayer. And I always try to get over to the youth area if I can. I love being with our youth. And, and uh, so I popped over, and they were already out. And I went by, and they're all playing. And they're, they're, there's a, uh, as I walked into the hallway right outside the gym, because there's a lot of kids that are playing and specifically a certain age group that's in their playing and I walked in and I got to tell you it was warm a little musty in the in the in the hallway and I went up to a couple of guys I go ah I can tell fall is here the smell of youth is in the air I love it right there's a certain come on we know it right we know there's a certain smell but not all smells are negative see we always think of BO as being something negative but it's actually can be something positive because we can wear fragrances perfumes and colognes and things like that and so things can have a pleasant smell and you're saying what in the world has that got to do with today's message I want to take you real quick to 2nd Corinthians chapter 2 
I have a brain that just reads and sees things really different in Scripture. And I promise you when I saw Scripture, I immediately thought of this. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul is talking about the privilege of sharing Christ. And here's what he says. But thanks be to God who always leads us in a triumphal procession in Christ and through us spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of him. For we are to God the aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. Did you just see that? You are the aroma of Christ The body of Christ, B-O, right? There's a smell to the body of Christ. We have a fragrance that when we are honoring Christ, living Christ, we have a fragrance to everyone around us. I went up to somebody before this service, and I said, uh, I think I have the message in a nutshell. We all smell. Some of us smell good. Some of us not so good. Some of us smell like Christ, and sometimes we don't smell like Christ. But Paul says, I want you to be the aroma of Christ to everyone that you come into contact with. Now, I promise you that is going to actually carry out to the very end of the message as we go into Philippians chapter 2, because in Philippians 2, and specifically at the end of the message, we're going to show how it all pulls together We are seeing, because Paul is talking about how to have the attitude of Christ, he uses Christ as the model, and then he begins to talk about how for us, I'm going to go with this idea of how to smell like Jesus into the lives of the people around us as he begins to apply Christ as the model for our lives. And in Philippians chapter 2, verse 12, here's what Paul says. Therefore, because we, we see how Christ lived and how we want to model his attitude, he says, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but also much more now in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Now, when we use that phrase, continue to work out your salvation, people get really nervous about that because they're like, what in the world does that mean? The word means to bring it into completion. It means to run through the tape. It means to run through the finish line. Don't stop short. Don't be that individual who starts well and finishes poorly, but when it comes to this whole thing of our relationship with Christ, he says, hey, listen, you, you're saved in the past, you're being saved today, and there's going to be a future rescue as the Lord takes us home. He says, make sure you run through the tapes. He says, so work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. So he says that God actually helps you want to follow his purpose and his will. Do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like the stars in the universe as you held out the word of life in order that I may boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor for nothing, 
But even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and the service coming from your faith, I am glad and I rejoice. I revisit joy again with all of you. And so you too should be glad and revisit joy with me. Now, as I look at this passage, it's kind of hard sometimes to drop right into the middle of a, of a letter, but Paul is writing from change. He's writing to the church in Philippi. He's challenging them in their faith, and not in a bad way, just trying to encourage them to come on. And as he hits chapter 2, this passage, of more than almost any other passage in this, in this letter that he writes, deals with how to shine into the lives of the people around you. Or as I'm going to talk about today, how to smell like Jesus. And he talks about three ways that all of us, because I'm going to tell you guys, we're going to smell. We smell good, we smell bad, but we're going to have a fragrance into the lives of the people around us. And the first way that he talks about having the fragrance of Christ is to, number one, be authentic in a counterfeit world. Be real. Don't be phony. Don't be fake. Just be real. He says, don't just do it in my presence, but in my absence as well. How many of your parents, raise your hand real quick. Okay, how many of you, how many of you know as parents that sometimes your children act differently when you're not in the room? Raise your hand. All right, let me just do it this way. How many of you were a child one day? How many of you know that as children, sometimes when mom and dad are in the room, you act differently than when mom and dad are out of the room, right? Paul says, hey, don't act one way when I'm present and another way when I'm out. Don't act one way when you're at church, another one when you're out. Don't act one way when the pastor's in your living room and one when you're out. Don't act one way when the police officer's present and then you're not. Don't act one way when the boss is in the room and then the boss is out. He says, live something, this is called congruency. He says, live a life that is congruent, that matches up in private with what you say in the public. When Jesus is speaking to the disciples and he begins to speak about the Pharisees, he uses a word that for most of us, we would be offended if we were ever called this. In fact, not just us. I think most people, period, would be offended. He calls them hypocrites. And that word hypocrite is a word that means play actor on a stage. And he says, hey, can I just tell you, character, which is what this is about, is when you are doing in private what you say you believe in public. Or put another way, integrity and character is who you are when nobody is looking. Let me add on to that. Somebody is almost always looking. Even when you think they're not looking, even when you don't think they're watching, he says, don't be the person who is a play actor. He says, be authentic, be real, just be who you are and let that permeate into your life. One of my favorite characters in scripture is uh, Daniel out of the Old Testament by the book of the same name, Daniel. I think so highly, that God thinks highly of Daniel when Tammy and I were trying to come up with a middle name for Wesley. When Wesley was born, we, were, we, we kind of opted not to know if our children were, 
our, what, what the sex of the children was, and so we were always kind of surprised. But I was, I was sure Wesley was going to be a little girl. Tammy didn't know so much, but I was just sure he was going to be a little girl. And, um, and so we decided we were going to name Wesley, Wesley, no matter what. We knew a little girl named Wesley. We liked the name. We knew boys named Wesley. And we said, hey, we're going to go with Wesley no matter what. And so we were kind of prepared. And so when he came out as a little boy, it was like Tammy looked at me and she said, so what's his middle name going to be? And so I just started going through Scripture, and I just go, okay, Adam, no, uh, Seth, no, um, Noah, no, Daniel, a man highly esteemed by God. I said, let's call him Daniel. And by the way, he wasn't highly esteemed by God because of what people said. It was because God said, you're a man highly esteemed before God. What I love about Daniel is that Daniel's life was one that modeled character and integrity and his private convictions carried out in his public life. And what I love about him is that he wasn't afraid to pray in public, but he prayed way more in private. Daniel was a life that was full of character. And can I just encourage us? More and more, in fact, can I tell you what, what they say about millennials, if you're a millennial, I'm not picking on you, this is true, I don't think it's just a millennial thing. They say millennials highly value authenticity. Hey, can I just tell you, I think people value authenticity. And when they look at our lives, are they seeing something different when other people are in the room? I had a lady who uh, attended here a number of years ago. Um, I'll be honest with you, I don't know how long she attended. Um, I don't remember her name. I just remember the conversation. I don't know if it was true or not. But I remember her saying to me that she had attended 14 different churches in the area. And I'm like, really? Why so many? And she said that whenever she went into a church, she went into the women's restroom, she locked the stall, she put her feet up, and she listened to what people were saying in the bathroom. So what does that tell you? Check every stall before you have a conversation. That's what it tells you, right? I have no idea. I don't think it was true. I, I'm listening to this. I'm going, this can't be true. Let me ask you a question. This morning I was challenged. I began to reflect on this whole concept of character. Who are you when nobody's looking? Mom and dad, grandma and grandpa, if, if God would guarantee to make your child exactly like you. <laughs> if someday you could guarantee that your kids would treat their spouse the way you treat your spouse, if their private walk with Christ would model your private walk, Hey, guys, got a challenge for you. If someday God would guarantee that a young man will look and treat your daughter the way that you have looked and treated women, would you want God to answer that prayer? And here's what God challenged me with this morning. If there are areas that you are saying, Lord, I'd rather you didn't duplicate me on that one then maybe that's an area that the Spirit of God wants to hone and work in your life.
That's pretty challenging, isn't it? I'm not challenging you. God challenged me. I'm just letting you in on the conversation. He says, you want to shine? You want to smell like Christ? Be real. Number two, he, he deals with another area, and he says, I want you to live with joy in a world that just grumbles. In fact, he actually uses that word grumble. He says, do everything without complaining. The word complaining is the word gugumos. It, it is the word to grumble or murmur under our breath. He says, do everything without complaining or arguing. Paul says, you got to deal not just with your character, but this deals with your attitude. In fact, this deals with your attitude toward others, this attitude toward life. But we got to deal with our attitude because our attitude actually smells to the people around us. For some it smells good, some it doesn't smell so good. It smells like Christ or doesn't. But I guarantee you will have a fragrance to the people in your life. This is a story I heard several years ago of a guy who was out uh, driving throughout the area. And as he was driving, he was so impatient, he was angry, he was screaming at people, he was shaking his fist at them, he was honking, he was weaving in and out. And, and just down here in front of the church, a, a police officer pulled him over. And the police officer walks up to him and he says, uh, license and registration, sir. And he pulls out his license and registration, gives it to the police officer. Police officer goes back to the car, is in there for a little while, comes back up and he goes, okay, sir. He says, uh, it's fine, you're, you're welcome to go. And so the, the man looked at the police officer and said, hey, I understand why, you know, why'd you pull me over? He said, well, he said, I have been following you for a while. He says, I saw you shaking your fist. I saw you yelling at people. I could tell that you were saying some pretty unkind things. You were weaving in and out. You were totally impatient. And I, I noticed the I love Jesus bumper sticker on your back car. And I also noticed it's honk if you love Jesus. And you had the little fish symbol. And I just assumed you stole the car. So Paul says, hey, when people watch your life, when people watch your attitude, as they catch that attitude, are they catching the fragrance of Christ? Now, he talks about two types of attitude, and the first one he wants to deal with is the spirit of discontentment. He says, hey, are you doing everything with a complaining spirit? A complaining spirit is a spirit of discontentment. Isn't it interesting how we just, we just kind of catch that stuff? We just do it. It can become so much a natural part of who we are. Paul says, in fact, in chapter 4, he speaks specifically about discontentment. And here's what he says. He says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you've had no opportunity to show it. By the way, what is he doing? He is choosing to think the best of them. What he is saying to them is, you guys haven't really shown me any love and you've not really cared for me, but I'm excited because you're doing it now. I just assume you didn't have a chance to do so before. He's thinking the best of people. And then he says this, I am not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned, say that little four words together, for I have learned what it is to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Can I give you a hint that is going to rock your world? You can learn to do this stuff. 
Now, I got to tell you, sometimes we get so frustrated because we want God to do something in us. Lord, do this. Break this addiction. Do this. Do this work in me. Take care of this character issue in me. And we're frustrated because God doesn't seem like he's doing it. I'm going to show you and try to help you see something that Paul says that is going to greatly help you in your Christian walk. The Spirit of God enables people and gives strength. In fact, he says, what? He says, I've learned to do this, but I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. But we have to be willing to partner in the divine work of the Spirit of God in our life. Pastor Ann did an incredible job last week about talking about the fruit of the Spirit. She talked talked about joy. I don't know if you talk about patience or not. There's one for you, patience and self-control. Man, why am I just not patient? Why, why is God not like I dream of Jeannie, Barbara Eden, where he blinks his eyes and he just makes me this person? It's because there is a cooperation by our will with what the Spirit of God wants to do in our life. We're never going to do it in our own strength, but we partner with him as he enables us. I'm going to practice patience even as he is enabling and bringing patience. I'm going to practice and learn contentment even as he is giving me the strength to be content. You do not have to be the way you are. Our attitude does not have to be, it's just the way I am. No, it is not just the way you are. It is a choice you are making, and the Spirit of God wants to enable us to break free of that. He says, i got to deal with the discontentment. It's how we view life. And then he gets into another idea. He says, do everything without complaining and arguing. It is a disagreeable spirit. I put dispute, but I like disagreeable better. It is a disagreeable spirit. It is, it is how we relate to one another. And he says, how you relate to other people, it actually smells to people. They smell it, and it's a good fragrance or a bad fragrance. It smells like Jesus or it doesn't smell like Jesus. And he even hits that in chapter 4 when he talks about a dispute that's going on in the church. And he says in verse 2, chapter 4, he says, I plead with Eodia and I plead with, you say it this way, Sintaish, Sintaish, that's how you say her name, to agree with each other in the Lord. Yes, and I asked you, loyal yoke fellow, help these women who have contended at myself for the cause of the gospel along with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are written in the book of life. Paul says that if you're going to shine like stars in the universe, if you're going to smell like Jesus, there's a choice you're going to make to be authentic and real, but there's also a choice that we're going to begin to make as we, God does an attitudinal work in my life and I practice joy rather than grumbling. There's a third one. He says, I want you to live straight in a crooked world. Now, I love what he uses because he uses a phrase that is, is a very, it's a, it's a word picture. He, he, the word for crooked is uh, scolios. Uh, if any of you have ever been diagnosed with scoliosis, that's where the word comes from. Uh, when I was in sixth grade, man, that's a long time ago. That was like 40 years ago. I went to the doctor, and the doctor had me take my shirt off, and, I, and the doctor looked at me, and he had me stand up against this, like a white screen, if I remember it right. It was like a, like a glass screen, and he had a grease pencil, a red grease pencil. And he took, a, <clears throat> he took a, a ruler or something like a ruler, and he put it on one shoulder, and he, 
he marked it, and then he took a ruler and put it on the other one, and he marked it. And then he turned me around, and he, he marked my spine, and he, he said, Mrs. Whetstone, Philip is crooked. <laughs> and evidently, I had a curvature. He called it scoliosis. I don't know if it was or not, but he called it scoliosis. He said he's got a curvature of the spine. He said that's going to that's gonna be a problem when he gets older, and we've got to correct it now that he's younger and still growing. And so... Um, they ordered it. I don't know why they had to order it. It seems to me like they could have just had these in a box somewhere. Uh, but it, it was a heel. It was like a half a heel that went inside of my, my shoe. And it was a one-inch heel. I, it seems to me they could have had like ten of them in there of different sizes. But anyway, he gave me a one-inch insert that I think I had to wear in my right shoe. i got to be honest, I got kind of tired of it. Uh, and so within a year or two, I just kind of quit wearing it. And um, they put that in there, and the idea was, now I have no idea medically if this really did anything or not, but evidently it was supposed to help straighten me up a little bit. But I was always just a little bit off. <laughs> and I know light bulbs are coming on right now, because you're all thinking, oh, that makes so much sense, because we've always thought you're just a little off. Um, this is true. If I, have a, if I get a, a nice pair of dress pants and I have them tailored, I still have to have each leg measured separately because if you make them the same, one will be too short. It's, I have, about a, I have about, a, about a one inch difference in the way my, my cuffs and stuff are. Paul looks and he says, um, world's crooked. And then he uses another word, and, it, and it, some translations say the word perverse. The, the, the word means to be twisted or turned upside down. That's what the word means. And he says the world is crooked and he uses, he uses depraved. It means to be turned upside down. Now, boy, does that not describe culture? What, what we think is up, they call down. What is down is up. What is right is left. What is left is right. He says the world has a whole set of standards and you need to live in such a way so as to expose those standards. Now you're saying, well, wait a minute. I thought we were supposed to smell good to people because, because people aren't going to like it when we do that. People may not like your standard, but they will respect it if you're real, if your attitude expresses joy, and then you live consistently in this way. And he tells us two ways that we live straight. He says, so that you may become blameless and pure. Blameless and pure. That has, to be with our, that has to do with our testimony toward other people. It's our witness. It's what people see about us. And my concern, church, and this isn't, to be, this isn't to be mean. I'm challenged by this as well. It is so easy to fall into a standard that basically says that what the world says is right and wrong becomes my standard of right and wrong. A few years ago, um, I was working with a, a young couple. Um, and uh, they were getting married. And I love working. With, if you're getting married, I love working with you guys. I love it. I love going through the premarital sessions. I love to, to do the interviews times where we get to know each other a little bit. And I always talk about spiritual journeys. And we have some things we have you work through. I love doing that. But one of the things that I do 
And some of you have been through it, so you know, I, I always send out a little letter ahead of time just so people know what my expectations are. I always say, hey, just want you to know I'm a Christian. That means everything I do is going to come from a Christian viewpoint. I'm not going to preach at you, but I am going to, everything I do is coming from a Christian biblical uh, worldview. Um, and then I, I say this, listen, I'm not, I'm not going to spend time asking and, and getting into your sexual history, but when you meet with me, and we agree to move toward the wedding, we are making an agreement that you are going to abstain until you get married. And um, by the way, I always say this, I don't camp outside your house, I don't bug you, I don't put cameras in, that's not what I'm, not that, I said it's an integrity issue. You understand where I'm coming from. And if that doesn't work for you, I have other guys I can connect you with and they'd be glad to work with you. And so I had a couple that came in. And by the way, some of you are right now just sitting there shocked. And I know why. Because seriously, even in the church, we are so far beyond that. That is so old-fashioned. I know it. Isn't it interesting? What we call old-fashioned just simply used to be biblical Christianity. And by the way, church, we've hurt ourselves because many times what we have done is we've created rules that are not biblical. We don't have any, it's just simply the rules we've made. And because the world has exposed that as not being biblical, it's diminished really everything we've said about what is right and wrong. I don't know about you, I'm just okay listening to the Bible. And I'm okay of addressing the things that God addresses because I think he addresses enough. And so I was working with this couple, and we worked through this whole thing. And um, they came back the second time, and I, I'd forgotten to, to work through all that. And I said, hey, by the way, you had that little thing. I said, are you guys, you know, I want to make sure we're in agreement on that. And I'll never forget what one of them said to me. They said, um, oh, yeah, yeah, we can sign that. Um, I, I actually, I talked to my mom about it. She thought it was a cute idea. And I was, I, I mean, I was puzzled by that. And I, I, I didn't say it, but I wanted to say it. Well, it's not to be cute. It's actually just biblical. I could give example after example. This isn't to be a heavy. The fact is, if people look at our life, not to be self-righteous, not to, not to be holier than thou, but if people looked at our life, would they be able to catch a biblical understanding of what it meant to be a follower of Christ? He says, as you are blameless and pure, why? Because your what authenticity, your attitude, and your and your, uh, your testimony actually speaks to people. Then he says, without fault. That word without fault means that in God's eyes, that you're good. It isn't just about being one thing to people. It's just, just simply before the Lord. You're without fault. And he says, can I just tell you, 
When you live that kind of life, when you, when, you, when, you, when you have a standard of authenticity and you're just real with people and you are a person who has Christ-like joy and, and attitude in your life and, and you simply are living by a standard that you can feel comfortable standing before the Lord, he says, you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life. You're going to smell. But will you be the aroma of Christ or not? Man, the worship team, go ahead and come up and we're just going to prepare. By the way, I told you I would show you that, this, that Paul was talking about smell and this all works together. I want you to go down to verse 17. Because here's what he says in verse 16 and 17. He says, um, in order that I may boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor for nothing, but even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. Paul says, and it's interesting because he does this twice. Um, here he says, hey, even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, he says, for I am already being poured out like a drink offering. And a drink offering, there's all kinds of offerings in Scripture. There's all kinds of sacrifices. There is, uh, there's, the, uh, uh, there's the Passover lamb. That's a sacrifice that's given. There's the burnt offering. There's the scapegoat offering. There's the fellowship offering. The fellowship offering in Old Testament was a, was a uh, scripture or was a, was a sacrifice given of bread, and it was called the bread of fellowship. And then if you would sacrifice this, it, was says that, it said that the ponim, the presence of God, would be there, and you would fellowship. But then there was the drink offering. And the drink offering is really interesting because the drink offering was of wine. And what they would do is after all the other offerings were made, they would take wine and they would pour it on the embers, the hot coals, and the flames. Now, if any of you have ever thrown coffee on a campfire, you know exactly what happened. When they would pour the wine on the fire, here's what would happen. It would evaporate. And it was said that the drink offering created a pleasant aroma in the nostrils of God. And when Paul uses that phrase, he says, hey, I want to know that I didn't do this for nothing. I want to know that I actually made a difference in this life. But... Even if I am simply poured out and my life evaporates and it makes God smile because of the aroma, I'm okay with that. We don't have any guarantees of what's going to happen from our lives. We have no guarantees. We, in fact, many of us, we will never see all the impacts. In fact, I'll guarantee this. None of us will ever see all the impact of our life. 
And there are people in your life that you desperately are trying to shine into their lives. And you're desperately trying to be that consistency. And you don't even know if it's making a difference. In fact, some people are even, they're even put off by the fact that you are being Christ. By the way, Paul says to those that are living, you're the scent of Christ. And he says to those that are perishing, you're also the scent of Christ. But he says, but always be the aroma of Christ. But even, Lord, even if my life can just be pleasing to you, I'm good with that. Father, as we come before you this morning, I, I love your word. I love, I love how you, to me, speak in pictures. And in no way was today to be a heavy. This was just to be a challenge and an encouragement. But sometimes, Holy Spirit, when we're talking about things of what you desire in our life, you shine a spotlight that really begins to speak. And I learned a long time ago to embrace and love the conviction of the Spirit of God. Because when you shine a spotlight, it is never because you hate me. It is always because you love me. And you want me to be conformed into the image of Christ. So Lord, help me to be a man whose life lines up. It's real. Help me to be a man who's not complaining, discontent, or constantly disputing. I want to be a person who reflects your attitudes. I want to be a person who lives so that people can watch my life. I want to be a man that smells like Jesus so that others may be drawn and know who he is. Would we be a church that shines like the stars in the universe as we hold out the word of life? Thank you, Father. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Colonial Woods Missionary Church presents Keys to Confident Living.